Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Okay. Good morning to you all. I am excited to be here with you. Randy, thank you for allowing me to be here this morning and share a word with everybody. Uh, so, a couple things I just want to say. Um, I really want to say that I'm kind of disappointed in a couple of people that are in the audience. Um, you know, I come to church for normalcy, and I come to church because things are supposed to be right in the, in the room, and James Huckabee, you're in the wrong place. Uh, Penleys, you need to move over here because this is really, I'm struggling with this. I can't find you guys. But, but thank you, Bill Walker, for staying exactly where I know you will be. Thank you so much. It has, been a, it has been a crazy week, has it not? And as I thought about that and I thought about today and being together as a family of faith, what better place to come to throw off everything that hinders us, to throw off everything that entangles us in sin and be with a family of faith? That's what I hope today will be for you as we gather, that we can throw off all the stuff from this last week and craziness and the mess and all of this, and then we can remember this. Jesus Christ died for each one of you in this room. That we can agree on. This last couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago, we were doing the four spiritual laws in the student ministry room, and I was sharing this with Randy. And I've always done the crosstalk, uh, the four spiritual laws. If you're not familiar with it, there's a crosstalk in there. It talks about Christ's death on the cross, and I've always used it as a platform to kind of talk about the sufferings of Christ and what He went through for us on the cross. That it was it was awful. It was painful. It was terrible. It was, Tragic. It's all these things, you know, and you look at that and you kind of paint this picture for kids and they're, they're in it with you and they're, they're, they're kind of getting a little bit more emotional. And I started thinking about that talk in that way. And I thought, you know, this day I'm, I want to switch it up and I want to look at the purposes and the why of Christ dying on the cross. So we gave this talk a couple of weeks ago and I've added some things to it. And I hope that today your hearts will be open to hear from the Lord. Your hearts will be open to hear what he has to say to us through his son. As a child growing up in church, uh, it, was, it was just there. I knew that God loved me. It was taught every Sunday. I knew that Jesus had died for me on the cross. These were the simple truths of being in church. But I could never fathom and I never could understand this God taking his son and allowing him to die. And I, and I was hard for me to grasp. And it was hard for me to grasp for a really, really long time. 
And I got involved with a ministry called Young Life, and I, I was telling this, you know, what Jesus had done for you, and he loves you, and he loves you so much, that he died for you on the cross, and he wants to have a relationship with you, and all these things. And, and I spoke these words about God sacrificing his son. And it wasn't until I had a child. It wasn't until my son Jared was born. It wasn't until that moment when I looked at my child and I looked at him and I thought about the father's love for me. And I looked at Jared and I thought, I could never do it. I I couldn't sacrifice my child for anyone. And I would stand in front of a bunch of Young Life kids and I would tell them, I I look at them and I would say to them, I love all you guys. But there is no way I love you enough to give my child up for you. But God did. And it was in that moment that I realized it and I was like, man, this is an amazing love. There are men and women in this room that served in our armed forces that are, some of them are here because someone that they fought with sacrificed their lives to save another. We looked at, in the last couple of weeks, the book of 1 John. And in chapter 3, verse 16, it says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. John repeats this in John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this to lay down his life for his friends. Today we're looking at the seven phrases of Christ on the cross and I, I, I told Randy too this morning, I, I, I said, I think I bit off more than I can chew in a sermon. But I certainly hope we can get through this and we can see how much Jesus' love is coming through for us as he is dying on the cross. Let, me, let us pray together. Father, I... I come before you humbled to stand in front of these people to even be standing up here. God, I'm reminded in this moment how much you truly do love us. God, let this be a time of sweet aroma as we gather together to remember what your son has done for us. Jesus, thank you for your obedience to even death on the cross so that we may have eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. So, didn't know that was going to drop out. On the cross, Jesus has been placed And his first thoughts in that moment, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Luke 23, 34. This simple prayer of petition from Jesus, it begins his role of redemptive mediator for you and I. In this moment begins that for you and I. Paul writes Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In his death, 
let's not overlook the fact that Jesus is asking his father for a full pardon of the wrongs we have committed. To use the word them puts an emphasis on all of us. It's not just the Pharisees. It's not just the Roman guards. It's not just the people who rejected him, but it's all of us. This is a prayer of petition to God Almighty for everyone, for all eternity, because this sacrifice, this moment in time was to be once and for all. And Jesus is focusing on the people's heart, and he has continued to show us a life of servanthood and forgiveness. Who are your enemies today? Pray for them. Who's wronged you? Pray for them. Ask God to help you to forgive those who need forgiveness. Matthew 5, 43 says this. This is where these came in. This is why they were in the pocket. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Pray for them. God set an example for us. Jesus has set an example for us right here, starting out. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The second phrase, Jesus is on a cross and he is in between two men, two criminals. And there's a conversation that goes on between these two guys and they're going back and forth and one criminal is asking, he's petitioning, He's saying to the Lord, I want to be with you. Can I be with you? I know I don't deserve it, but can I come? And Jesus says to him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. Luke 23, 43. This statement reveals two things to the thief on the cross. One, no matter what his life had been up to at that point, it now was completely made new. No matter where you are in life, no matter your circumstances, when you come to the cross of Christ, when you come to him asking for him, to be the redemptive Savior that he is. He will say to these words, today you will be with me in paradise. Not only did Jesus provide him eternal life, but he also stated where he was going as well. Jesus was resolute in what his mission was, and when that mission was complete, he too would return to his rightful place in heaven. Eternal life belongs to those who confess their sins 
As we studied in 1 John 1, 6, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Why, why is it that when we confess Christ, why is it that when we confess him, we don't immediately go on to be with the Lord in heaven? Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? To watch people just pop off in the world because they've just accepted the Lord. And there they go. There's another one. Why does it not happen that way? It's because we still have something to do here on this earth. The question is, are you doing it? Are you living your life out in this way? Are you living your faith out to honor Jesus? Your salvation, my salvation, has been made secure by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Live every day until that day, knowing that God has a purpose for you being here on earth. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I get a phone call from a cousin. And we're informed that my brother-in-law has passed away. My sister's, my oldest sister's husband. And I'm just like, what? It's like, so I, I make my way over to my sister's house and my, actually my niece's house and my sister's there. And my, my brother-in-law, he worked out a lot and uh, he liked to walk in Memorial Park with a CD player. He'd gone through three of them. I'm not sure where he got this one, probably black market somewhere. Are they exist anymore? I don't even know. But, but in the CD player was Bill Gaither Trio, classic hymns. And it was a revolving songs of praise and worship that he was listening to in this moment. How amazing for my brother-in-law Bob to be power walking in Memorial Park singing to Jesus boom dead and singing in front of the Lord live every day like today is your last and when you live that day that way live it so that you are honoring him with all that you are. Paul states in Philippians 1, 21 through 24, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I, I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to part and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Live your life until that time that Jesus calls you home in honor for what he has done for you. Number three, dear woman, here is your son. And to John, he says, here is your mother. I added that. John 19, 26. Jesus' humanity is in full view here. No doubt he was comforting his mother in the only way he could in this moment. 
by providing one to look over her in his absence. We are led to believe that, Jesus, that Joseph was dead and Mary needed to be taken care of in, in, in Jesus' absence. In death, Jesus provided for his mother. When my father passed away a couple of years ago, my mom's had a Sunday school class and they were the Valentine's Day Club and they would meet every Valentine's Day and they met like that for the last 40 years. Every Valentine's. They used to meet at New Year's but Eve and play 42 but they couldn't get out late at night so then they changed it to a luncheon on Valentine's Day. And so I knew it was coming up in a month. My father passed away in January and I knew it was coming up in a month and I, and I called my mom and I said, hey, would you like for me to take you to the Valentine's Day Club. And my sister had already, you know, my sister, I can't believe she did this, but that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with my family issues. My sister had already called her and said she was going to take her as well. So I'm like, it's my job. I'm, I'm now supposed to take care of my mother. What are you doing? So my sister and I take uh, take her to the Valentine's Club and there's all these people that are here and these are people we've known all our life. These are the families we grew up with. And so we took them and we had all these ladies that were going, are you going to come back next year? We want to see you again next year. And so I'm like, okay, I like this. You know, I like, I like, I like being wanted. And so, uh, so we've made the decision that we're going to keep going back to the Valentine's Day Club until, you know, no longer be able to go back to the Valentine's Day Club. You, you understand what I'm saying? And so uh, now what's happening is all of the children, kids that I grew up with as a, as a preteen, we're all bringing our parents to this deal. We are taking care of our family it is a picture of how God wants us to wrap our arms around our family and take a hold of them and take care of them in their time of need. James, the brother of Jesus, writes, James 1.27, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows. I think James had a firsthand look at the need to do this with our family and our extended family of faith. Number four, I would do it in the, the Greek, but it would, I would butcher it bad. So I'm just going to go with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These words are spoken and the sky began to turn dark. And for the first time, Jesus was experiencing a separation from God because of sin. God can't look upon it. And Jesus was feeling that. And God rejects those who have not received the free gift of grace and salvation that comes from the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. Spurgeon writes, I do not think that the records of time or even eternity contain a sentence more full of anguish. In Jesus' life, Peter has denied him. Judas has betrayed him. The people have rejected him. 
for a murderer named Barabbas. But none of it was more painful than being separated from his father for the first time. In this moment, Jesus, finite and fully man, came in contact with the infinite justice of God. Moses, Joshua, and even us will never, will never experience what Jesus did that day. Joshua 1.5 says this, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. What a promise for you and I. Remember, there may be times when you feel that separation. But remember the words that James wrote. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. James 4, 8. And to the guys in the booth, I'm sorry, but uh, I wrote this wrong and it's, not I am 30, it's I am thirsty. I didn't check. I added an S. You guys might want to do that for the next service. John 19, 28. Jesus' humanity is in full view, and Jesus' understanding of Scripture is at an all-time high. He spoke those words in that moment because the prophets of old were already there. If you read the whole book, the whole chapter of Psalm 22. If you start from verse 1, and if I had time, I would, but you have, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me to start? And it gets to this point. When he says, I am thirsty, God, Jesus in that moment is remembering scripture that David spoke, and it's this. Verse 15, my mouth is dried up like a pot's herd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. It's all in fulfillment of scripture. And Jesus understands where he is. Jesus understands what is going on. And these words are spoken because of that. He not only thirsts for physical water to quench, but he longs to know the taste of living water again that he easily offered to the Samaritan woman at the well. John 4, 10 and 13 says, And the Samaritan woman was coming to draw water from the well. And if you know the story, she's been there and it's a bad deal for her. She's in an hour where nobody else is there. And he asked for a drink. And the, the exchange goes on and Jesus says, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Psalm 42, 1 says, As a deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you. Jesus in this moment, not only is he physically thirsting for something to, on his parched tongue, but he is also thirsting. He is wanting to have that relationship with Ken. I wonder, I wonder sometimes if, if Psalms 42.1 never resonates with us. Do we pant for that moment to be with Jesus Christ? Do we pant like a deer does? Do we want to know and thirst for that living water that Jesus provides so that we can live eternally with God forever? The cry here is not only from agony, but a reminder to us that when we go through pains in our life, we can see that Christ suffered 
much on the cross. When we are in pain or suffering, depression of spirit, we will remember that our Lord understands it all, for he has had practical, personal experience. Number six, it is finished. John 19, 30. It's not a statement of futility, but of completion. He came with a plan to fulfill. He made a way to overcome sin, for us to overcome sin. He understood, the, he understood we needed a once and for all payment. Spurgeon again states seven things that Jesus meant with this phrase. All promises and prophecies were fulfilled in him. All typical Jewish sacrifices of the old Jewish law were now abolished as well. His perfect obedience was finished. The satisfaction he rendered to the justice of God was finished. Jesus had totally destroyed the power of Satan, of sin, and death. His Father was honored and divine justice was fully displayed. And finally, the words had an effect on heaven. Jesus had accomplished what he said he was going to do. That's a massive party. You imagine if the, the dulling of the chrysolite, maybe the dimming of the gold, gets a new fresh shine when they realize that his words have been spoken, an accomplishment was made for what he said he was going to do, and he did. It's pretty cool. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Luke 23, 46, Christ died with Scripture on his lips. In Psalm 31, 5, David says, Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, O faithful God. While David is in distress, he is quick to be more concerned with his soul than the trouble he has because Saul is persecuting him. Spurgeon notes, You will do no better than to quote Scripture especially in prayer. There are no prayers so good as those that are full of the word of God. Our soul in death has a place of rest. Either we are for and with God or we will be separated from him forever. What are you going to say in your dying moment? What will be the words that will be on your lips as you pass from this earth to eternal home somewhere? Will your thoughts be on Jesus? Jesus in this moment surrenders to God surrenders it all I wonder if it will be yours I'll conclude with this I think I've got enough time to do this I told the guys up there I wasn't sure if we get to it and it looks like we can I'll conclude with this each one of these phrases of Christ contains a duty for us there's application in this for us the first phrase, Father, forgive them. 
is exactly what it's asking us to do as well, to forgive our enemies. I said it earlier, who's wronged you? Pray for him. It's time for us to look for opportunities to forgive those that we need to forgive. Today you will be with me in paradise. It's a call of repentance and confession. Have you confessed your sin? Like the thief on the cross? Are you ready for that moment when your time will come? Will you be walking, listening, being with the Lord, and in that moment, be with him because you know him? Woman, behold your son. He taught us the duty of taking care of our families. Take care of your families. Love one another. We have a responsibility to do that. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Learn to cling to God, to grip on him in your toughest of moments. And as we've read, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. I thirst. Regard the word of God. Place it in your heart. Thirst for him in a way in which you've never thirsted before. And it comes from the study of God's word. To know him more through it. It is finished. It teaches us perfect obedience. There was a path. There was a mission. And Jesus was on it. And he was perfectly obedient to his father and he finished the task. What great day it will be if we can hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. And the last, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Surrender yourself to him in all things. Be content with allowing him to lead. Is it hard? Absolutely. <laughs> Surrendering who we are, but when we do that, when we surrender ourselves to Him, He will lead us into paths of righteousness. Commit yourself to Him in all things. Praise be to the Lord. Uh, a couple of things as we finish up. Um, we have our volunteer today. Josh is over there. There's Josh. Uh, we have our prayer team that will be down here in front if you have something that you would like to speak to them. Randy will be out uh, outside where it says, say hello. I'll come out there as well. We'll be a tag team today. We'll see how, you, how you're feeling. You know, if you, we need to grab a stool for you, we'll, you know, it's, it's okay. We got it. Uh, we've got uh, baptisms tonight. I want to remind you about that. If, it's, if you are in a place, and I want to encourage you in this, if you have made a decision at some point in your, in your life, maybe it's in the last couple of weeks, maybe the last six months, maybe it's years ago and you've never been baptized, what a way to continue the process of your relationship with God. 
to honor him and do what he gave as an example for us, to be baptized. So if you have not done that, I want to encourage you tonight to be here for that. It's going to be a great time of celebration. Uh, Let me pray for us, and uh, we we are concluded. Father, I I thank you for our moment here together. Father, I thank you that you have given us these words to remember your great love for us as you were dying on the cross, that you thought of us, that you were thinking of others, that you knew your mission was to be completed so that we could have eternal life. Lord, for those that do not know you today, I pray that you've moved in their hearts and they are drawing near to you. Lord, that you would change them forever if they've never made that decision to follow you. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for these words. Thank you for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for being obedient. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.